I know that I have alluded to why I started this podcast here and there through different interviews, Uh, but today is an opportunity for me to get a little bit deeper into why this even exists. In 2009, when my husband and I were trying to conceive and starting our family, we were the only people in our circle of friends entering into that stage of life. It was lonely. In those early years, and honestly still today, I have relied on and actively sought out a gang of internet mom friends through blogs and social media whose online presence is transparent and honest them sharing their experiences in motherhood in a way that's real makes me feel a little less alone and a lot less like I'm always screwing things up. Today's guest, Hillary, co-wrote a blog with a college friend called Not Raising Brats. I gobbled up every word. These women were two years ahead of me in the parenting game, and as luck would have it, Hillary and I were expecting at the same time. Fun fact, her son Wes was born less than 24 hours after I delivered Quinn. So not only did I get to learn from their experiences with toddlers, but I also had a mom going through the exact same things that I was, and it was comforting having a long distance internet friend in pregnancy. Just like not raising brats was a lifeline for me in the early days of motherhood, that's my hope for this podcast. A little virtual lifeline, a little high five fist bump that helps you and other mothers to feel a little less alone in whatever parenting hurdle you're facing. Today, Hillary and I talk about what it's like raising sons. If you ask her sons what their family motto is, they will first ask you if they can cuss, and then they will tell you it's just not to be an asshole. We talk about how she is mindful to open up her son's experiences and extracurricular opportunities to things outside of their personal interests or maybe boxes that they may be put into because of their gender roles. She hopes that in exposing them to these things, that they will grow up to be well-rounded young men. We also talk about the importance of reading and how Hillary has cultivated a love for literacy in her home and how you too can help your children love to read. This is Your Mom Has a Podcast. I'm Amanda Strong. Also, um, hitting the table makes a really big, this like, very large noise, very large. Um, so if you can avoid it, it's okay if it happens, (laughs) don't hit the table. (laughs) All right. So go ahead. Why don't you introduce yourself? Tell everybody who you are. So, uh, I'm Hillary and I am a mother to two boys who are 10 and two weeks away from 12. Um, Reese and Wes, and uh, I've been married to my husband for 14 years. We've been together for 17 or 18, 18. Um, Yeah, so I I work 30 hours a week. Uh, My background is as a journalist. I don't know. What do you want here? (laughs) (laughs) I... I read a lot. I work at a library. I have been a journalist. I still do a little bit of that, a little bit of that, and I volunteer a lot in my community. Mm-hmm. And you guys just moved to Cincinnati 
five? Has that been five years? It has um, 2014. So yeah. yeah, five years ago. This was our sixth Christmas in Cincinnati. Okay. So for my kids, we, we lived in Florida. That's where they were both born. And um, like Wes has lived over half his life in Cincinnati. Um, they think of themselves as Cincinnati kids. So. Do they? Mm-hmm. That's funny. Yeah. They were really excited to move here because of the Reds. They're little baseball sports playing kids so um they were happy about that and they've just as far as they're concerned this is the best place oh that's cute well and it puts you closer to family too i'm sure that that's yes a huge bonus so we have family two hours away and family three hours away and they have cousins my sister has four kids so her oldest two boys are like stair steps to mine i have a 14 year old nephew a nephew who'll be 13 this spring and then reese at 12 and Wes at 10 and the four of them are they just sort of run feral when they're together which (laughs) is cool it's also my 14 year old nephew I got to go on a trip with him this past um this past year him and his mom to Philadelphia and I can remember Lane being like eight and Mike and I visiting and being like oh my god he's so loud (laughs) god he's terrible I mean he's a really sweet kid but he was just so loud and then my kid turned eight and I was like oh my god it wasn't just Lane it was it's just eight-year-olds they're so noisy and so seeing seeing Lane is like trying to figure out like what to expect from my kids uh, having them as a guide and he's so funny and sarcastic and like just a good kid mm-hmm. and it gives me hope that my kids will be good kids too when they get to be teenagers <laughs> so you used to have a blog that you shared with your friend mm-hmm. called not raising brats um why don't you talk a little bit about why you started that and then tell everyone uh, what you're doing as a mom to not raise not brats. raise brats. <laughs> yeah, so that that was back in the mommy blogging days. My best friend from college, she's basically like another sister. She lived in Columbus and I was in Florida. And so we were reading all these mommy blogs and motherhood, you know, you and I were talking before we were started courting. Motherhood is so isolating. And I was the first one of our friends down in Florida to be pregnant. I mean, I can remember one of our friends asking me dead serious when I was like six months pregnant. So what are you going to do when you're like nine months pregnant? How are you going to drive like (laughs) you're you're not going to be able to get behind the steering wheel right I totally threw that back in her face later anyway um so uh I got pregnant and then and felt alone I was reading a lot of mommy blogs and then Michelle six months later got pregnant and she was doing the same and I we started the blog because we're both writers but we also started it as a way I think to stay in touch Mm -hmm. um because we could write there and then we had this community of women around us which I still am part of like I I call it the ladies internet Um, there are scattered all over the country all over the world really and um they're people who make me feel less alone as I'm raising these kids. So, um, not raising brats. So we debated about the name and I said, not raising brats. Cause that's the goal. Right. <laughs> um, and it started kind of as a desperate wish, you know, I think we were joking, but really it was like, please Lord, let us not mess these kids <laughs> up too much. Um, and honestly, I look back on those things and the, not to be all like, oh, just you wait, because I hate those mothers. But honestly, I look back at those old posts from Not Raising Brats. 
our problems were so small. (laughs) (laughs) And like, I mean, it's just, especially with your, like I read something a long time ago on some mommy blog or another that your oldest kid always feels just as impossibly old as they they could be, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And that's so true. And then like, there are posts on that Not Raising Brats blog about like Reese, both of my boys were biters. Um, and Reese was my oldest and he was biting and I was just horrified. I had a two-year-old psychopath biting <laughs> kids in the daycare and it, it passed. Yeah. You know, he got his molars and his <laughs> mouth no longer hurt and he stopped biting. And then his brother started biting and that I thought was going to pass and he was biting for different reasons (laughs) but then another kid bit him back really hard and he was like no no bite and he like got that it was not a cool thing to do and anyway I'm rambling but the point here is like we were just trying like all of us were we were just trying to like do the best we can and for me that's always been about like being honest with my kids like my kids if you ask them what the family motto is they will tell you well first they will look at me and say can I cuss (laughs) (laughs) and then they will say it's don't be an asshole um so we try to be kind to each other um we sometimes fail but we try and I try to make them aware of other people in their the world Mm -hmm. um you know I my background as I said, is as a journalist. And that's really just talking to people Mm -hmm. and telling their stories. And the thing about that is that um, you realize like everyone's dealing with something and you, it forces you to think about other people's situations and not to say all journalists are empathetic and actually argue that that's a major problem with the industry, but (laughs) not enough of them are. But Um, For me, that's been kind of a guiding principle with even raising my kids. Like, you're not the center of the universe. There are other people around you. Um, What are you doing to them? And I guess as the kids have gotten older, going back to where I started with this whole thing with not raising brats, like, I really thought that the biting was, like, the biggest thing I was going to have to deal with. Or, I don't know, the start of other things. But... (sighs) they just get older and their problems get more complicated and stickier, you know? Yeah. I find that as Quinn gets older, looking at mothers with toddlers or babies and thinking like, oh, do you remember when like sleepless nights because a baby was up all night was like your biggest problem or biting or, you know, whatever it was. And now it's like, it's so much more complex. And then there's this added level of like, am I doing this right? Am I saying this right? Am I doing this in a way that they understand so that I don't mess them up when Mm -hmm. (laughs) when they're... I I think it's funny, the not raising brats thing. I think like, I thought it was about them at the time, but I think more than anything, it's about me. That's one of the things that um, my family would tell you I'm always self-centered, but I do think that motherhood... Like, that's the hardest thing for me is I'm growing along with them. Mm-hmm. Like, the amount of times that my kids are making me a better person, mm-hmm. forcing me to be the calm, not always successful in doing that, um, admitting that I've made mistakes, 
trying to figure out how to help them, um, confronting my own crap, whatever that is that's making me not react perfectly, not perfectly, but well in any given situation. I know we, we had talked about what we would talk about today and like one of it, one of the things that is most surprising to me is how my, <laughs> shouldn't be surprising, but my kids are their own people, right? <laughs> they are who they are. How dare they? How, right? <laughs> and I, I was never involved in athletics or sports or anything else. And I've got two little jocks on my hands and that's, I'm so proud of them, mm-hmm. but I'm also so like, I don't know how to deal with this. Like they come home from school and I swear their gym teacher only ever plays do- um, you know, dodgeball with them. Mm-hmm. I hated dodgeball. <laughs> I hated it so much. <laughs> I can't even tell you. And the kids are like, ah, oh, so-and-so doesn't even want to play. What is her problem I can't even imagine I totally just hit her in the head today and I'm like you did what (laughs) don't do that I'm so I just they don't they're just so different from me Mm -hmm. um and so trying to (laughs) trying to support them yeah but also trying to make them understand that there are other people in the world like please let that little girl like hit her softly and let her sit down (laughs) she doesn't want to play okay the kindest thing you can do is let her sit down um it it brings up things too like who knew that I was still that upset about (laughs) middle school dodgeball (laughs) but when they come home and they're talking about this I'm like really like appalled for that little girl (laughs) that's funny oh my gosh yeah, you're kind of the uh, reluctant sports mom. Yeah, very much so. Baseball and where do you think that came from? Do you think that's Mike? Um, so maybe. I mean, I should should know that this was happening. Or I mean, Mike, when we when we started, well, when we moved in together, he was a sports reporter, and mm-hmm. he's always loved sports. Um, he's not particularly athletic although he's run a bunch of marathons I say that I would say yes he is actually very athletic um anyway I don't know he's just Mike is a really driven person and he is since we've been married he that the marathon started when I was pregnant with Reese Mm -hmm. he gave up alcohol while I was pregnant and he figured while he was giving up alcohol he might as well train which is like the most Mike (laughs) statement ever like god forbid there be wasted time um yeah and he ran that first marathon and now we're on I don't even know now um so I guess it's inevitable that the boys were going to be involved in that kind of stuff. But they also just really, they just really like it on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, like, we have pictures of Reese when he was not quite two with socks on his hands for batting gloves. Aww. And he broke his elbow right before he turned two. And we have pictures of him with a cast on, throwing the ball up in the air with his cast arm and hitting it one-handed with the other one (laughs) our dog is named brucey because when we got her my littlest one was two and um jay bruce was playing for the reds and one of the few words he had was ball ball bruce which meant baseball (laughs) (laughs) so i just um haven't ever really had a choice in the matter like the kids that's just what they want to do and it's something mike really enjoys doing with them Mm -hmm. and for a while i tried to play 
football with them. Um, but when Reese was four, I was playing catch with him in the backyard and he reenacted the scene from the sandlot w- with me. He's like, <laughs> Mama, you can throw it. You just, you just, you just let go, Mama. You can do it. I was like, I am not having a four year old condescend to me. So this is something you're doing with your dad now. Um, but I go to all their games and my mom and dad, um, my nephews are really into athletics as well. And my sister and I, I mean, Lexi's got four kids, so they run everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm always running to games and things. And my parents are like, you guys just do so much. But this is the time we have with them. Mm-hmm. And they are in fact learning things like I remember being a teenager and thinking it was oh those dumb jocks um but I have a 12 year old who you know has decided he has these goals he wants to hit this many homers this year and he wants to be the starting third baseman and he wants to do this that and the other and he's written those goals down and he is setting his alarm at 5 30 a.m so he can get up and work out wow yeah and i mean he's a weirdo (laughs) Um, but in some ways he's more driven like than I have ever been because he he's learning how to work for goals. Yeah. Um, and I think that there are other ways to do that, but this is absolutely one way, the, mm-hmm. um, the athletics. So I go and I support him and I read and try to get along with the other parents. The hardest thing is just, you know, they're not all it's just trying to find the right sports teams and the right sports parents um there is a segment of sports culture that is all about winning and there's a lot of like uh talk about bodies and sizes and you know i've joked with my husband that I read books sometimes because all anybody wants to talk about is their diet or their workout. And I just don't care to talk about those things. In relationship to their kids or them personally? Themselves. Ugh. Uh, Yeah. Um, But not all moms by any means. Yeah. Um, Don't mean to call anybody out, but I've certainly, and I think it's not just sports moms. I think that that's culture in general has ingrained that in women. Mm -hmm. But when you're sitting on the sidelines of an athletic event, there is this like, I don't know. I've just had a a lot of conversations where we talk about the weather. We talk about our, the schools our kids are going to, which again, I don't care. Mm -hmm. Um, their diets, what they're eating or that they're not eating or their workout regimen. I, I don't want to talk about any of those things. (laughs) I really, really don't. Yeah. So, um, it's, it's trying to find um, places where, and I've also had coaches where, like when we first moved here, we got on a team where the coaches were, I mean, we're talking like Reese was seven at the time and the coaches were six feet tall and like getting angry and slamming on the benches if they made a bad play. Ooh. Mm, no, no, that's not happening. Yeah. That's the kind of sports culture I'm not okay with. Yeah, And so we made it through that season and then we found another team. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike coaches. And part of the reason Mike coaches is because he wants to give back to the community. And part of it is uh, 
it's a way to know that we're on board with the coaching style. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There's just, I'm pausing here because I don't want to insult anyone, but I think, so you look at the NFL, right? Mm -hmm. And all of the scandals that the NFL has been, has had, whether it's, you know, beating women or racism or all the other stuff. Killing dogs. Killing dogs. (laughs) Right. We got a whole array of things to choose from. And my kids love the NFL. Yeah. Wes in particular will watch it. Like that's all he wants to do on Sunday. Mm -hmm. Neither of my kids play football. Mm -hmm. Um, And honestly, even letting them watch football bothers me a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like they like roll their eyes and they see me coming because I'm like, do you see that? That guy just got in trouble. He shouldn't even be playing today. (laughs) You're like, I know, mom. I'm aware. We know he's a bad guy. And yes, we need to not be misogynistic. Both of my kids absolutely know the word misogynistic. Um, And I don't want to be a nag. But at the same time, like, I'm not okay with that culture. Right. Where because you are very good at this one thing mm-hmm. and with this one sport, you can just do whatever you want. Right. And I I wasn't okay with it when I was growing up. And I'm not okay with it now. And so trying to, like, trying to make sure that my kids understand where our family values are and all of that. Um, we've been lucky. We found some really great coaches, um, but it it is a thing I worry about. Well, it's that you know, and I was hoping we would get into this. It's that you know, hashtag toxic masculinity, like raising boys into men who are good men, right? Who understand that. There's a lot of privilege. I mean, also we have white kids, yeah, white men. We're raising white men. So I think that, you know, when you have a mom who is aware and who is a feminist, I don't know if you identify yourself as I a feminist. I absolutely do. Yes. I would assume so. Yeah. <laughs> In my tiny high school, I was voted most, most radical. <laughs> actually says more about the tiny high school I'm from than me but yeah so there's I there it feels like this huge responsibility to make sure I mean Bennett's a hugger and I remember when he went to kindergarten and I told the teacher and and we've had conversations of you have to ask your friends first if you want to give them a hug consent is a thing that we absolutely talk about Yes. yes so I feel like there's this letting them be who they are and they're deep into the sports culture. So honoring that, but then also saying like, you're going to find, and I'm sure that this is true for anything that they get involved in, but you're going to find people in here that don't necessarily align with our family values or who we want you to align with morally or whatever. And you still have to, you still have to hold on to your personal values and the things that we hold as a family while you're in this space. Yeah. So a couple things. One, I absolutely do identify as a feminist. I was, I was a hardcore feminist my teenage years and into college. And then I got out in the working world and was less so because 
it's life, right? Yeah. So you have to make compromises. Right. Like I'm a 22-year-old reporter trying to talk to a 66-year-old man who keeps telling me I'm cute and look like <laughs> I look like his granddaughter. In that moment, I could have got my feminist hackles up. I thought about it, um, might have done so once or twice, or I could lean into the fact that he thinks I'm like his granddaughter, right? which was the more effective solution. So I, I you know, I mellowed a little bit. Um, and then I had the babies and I had boys and I got like motherhood made me militant again. Um, and also honestly having boys, it was not something I thought about. Like I am from a household of women. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just me and my sister. My dad was gone. He was a long distance truck driver for most of my childhood. So he was not there a lot. So it was a very female household and I never thought much about having boys. And then I had them and you know, those early days of motherhood, when the baby cries at a restaurant, who do they look at? <laughs> they don't look at the dad, they look at the mom. If the baby kicks his socks off, who do they look at? They look at the mom. You know, Mike and I worked in the same place, and I loved the people we were working for. We worked in the same newsroom. Nobody ever asked Mike if he was coming back after the baby was born. Yeah. I got that question a lot. Anyway, all of that is to say I got real militant after I had the boys, and because I am a joy and delight to be married to, a lot of that militancy <laughs> was aimed at Mike. Like I, like, I can remember being, like, late pregnancy and, like, just railing at Mike about how he needed to read some other time than just bedtime, just before bed. Mm -hmm. And he was like, what is happening? And I was like, you don't understand. If you only read at bedtime when you're laying in bed, then our kids are going to think that or maybe it was right after because we didn't know whether Reese was a boy or a girl. Anyway, it doesn't matter. The point is I'm railing at him at some ungodly hour right before bed because I wanted to make sure that our kids knew that reading was not just something that women did. Mm -hmm. Reading was is really important to me. I believe it's a way to like learn about the world and other people. And I have been given like most of my life would not have happened if I were not a little bookworm. And uh, it was important to me that our kids know, our boys know mm -hmm. that reading is something that men do. And Mike was like, okay, <laughs> I will read in the living room sometime. During daily hours, yes. I will make sure to announce. Yeah. <laughs> I'm reading a book now. Um, and so that has been something that's important to me. Um, I also had an epiphany um, recently at my, the, my work. We do a lot of book discussions, and we just did a book discussion of Little Women, and it was like all women except for one dude. Mm -hmm. um, and somebody in the group, a young woman, uh, said, does anyone here think that Louisa May Alcott walked so that Candace Bushnell could run. You've got four archetypal yeah. characters, right? And yeah. both Little Women and Sex in the City. And I was like, oh, yeah. And then someone else said, yeah, and you've got Golden Girls. And then someone else said, yeah, and there's Designing Women. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> there's all of this pop culture and children's literature in which there are, like, 
are like different boxes for women to be in, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like there's all these different ways to be a woman. Um, you could be a Julia sugar baker. You can be a, a Suzanne sugar baker. They are each wonderful in their own right. But for boys, so much of the pop culture is you get one way to be. Yeah. You're the hero, right? Yeah. You're the hero. And that's changing. Um I, of course, thought of things that I'm not going to be able to pull up now that disprove my epiphany. <laughs> <laughs> but so much of, like, the the classic literature, Tom Sawyer, Huck Finn, um, it's all one boy. Mm-hmm. One boy questing against the world. And on one hand, seeing my boys play, yeah, I get it. There's a reason why stereotypes are there. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, that gives them one way of being in the world. Mm-hmm. And they're not, boys are not, you know, we, I don't want to sound like anti-feminist here because I, I love the fact that girls are told that they can do all the things. Yeah. Um, that's great. And I love that girls now, like your daughter Quinn is getting all the messages that she can do the things that she wants to do. Um, I think though that we don't always give boys that same variety mm-hmm. um, in our modern culture. Like we haven't, that's the next step I think. Yeah. Um, and so I don't, I don't know quite how to do that. I worry about it a lot to be honest. Um, and it's even my own upbringing. Like, so um, both of my boys are, I mean, they're, they're human, so they're emotional. But also, like, one in particular, like, his, all of his emotions are just turned up to, like, 11. Like, his capacity for joy, for anything, is mm-hmm. just all of it, right? Mm-hmm. And when he's joyful, that's great. But if he's angry or if he's sad, the inclination is to tell him to, like, calm down. Yeah. To stifle it, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, because that's how I was brought up. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't teach him to manage any of that, really. It yeah. just tells him it's wrong to have those emotions. So trying to like change my own mindset and to recognize my own, again, motherhood for me is all about me. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I think it just lays bare like all of these. It's just like... I felt like when I had the baby, suddenly this whole part of the world was very, very evident to me in a way that it had not been before. The fact that mothers absolutely, like for all the go girl messaging I had gotten as like a teenager in the 90s, that it was still absolutely my responsibility to be the mother. That people absolutely still half expected me to not come back to work and had all these expectations on me. That that was eye-opening to me. Like, I thought we were past that. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly I had the kids and was like, oh, we're not past this. And I feel like motherhood keeps doing that to me. These things that, whether it's cultural or specific to me personally, all these places where I, I thought I knew something mm-hmm. or thought things were one way. And then parenthood, motherhood makes it very clear that I am wrong or that there were these things happening under the surface that I just had not noticed or paid attention to. So I don't I don't know what the solution is, but I just <laughs> I um, have joked with my older kid. He is very much a jock. Everything is bro. 
Uh, he loves rap. Had lots of talk about misogyny <laughs> because oh of rap. Gosh, right? Lots of talk. So lots of talk about that. Although there, there's a double-sided coin because <clears throat> I will play certain things around Quinn. Lizzo, God bless her. Like, yes, let's talk about bodies. Nicki Minaj, yes, rough, rough like a dungeon dragon all day long. But then there's this other side of it where I'm like, shit, I don't want her to hear some of these things. So I operate under, uh, yeah, yes. So that absolutely is a concern. Um, I operate under the like we tend to be permissive mm-hmm. because I would rather they talk to me about it yeah. than, than to not know what they're looking at. Yeah. So books, I let him read whatever. Um, and that's where I was going with this. So Reese is a, is, both of my boys read quite a bit. Um, Reese, my older one is probably my, he's the one that's m- the biggest reader mm-hmm. and he, wanted to read like a lot of advanced readers he wants to read the older books before he was probably ready for them and for a while I was able to say well there's kissing in this one (laughs) and he would leave them be and then that stopped being a deterrent um like what is he what did he want to read I mean like the Hunger Games right Mm -hmm. like that was a deterrent for him for a while and some books like we did like when he he wanted to read Ender's Game and Mike was like well you have to be eight to read Ender's Game um and so that was like a moment for him yeah um but then once he's read Ender's Game like you're literally killing off an entire alien race in that book (laughs) it's hard for me to let him read that and not let him read other books especially when other books are authored by people who are not a racist misogynistic white dude (laughs) so um so that kind of was were the floodgates so then he got really into ya um he loves a good ya romance like he he? oh he (laughs) does and he loves like he's super excited to the new to all the boys i loved before Uh we watched the first one when it came out last year he's read those books um and he he actually texted me the other day from his ipod he's like mama did you see (laughs) i was like i did we have a date don't we so i keep i know that a lot of parents would not want him to be reading those books i mean there's a lot of like frank talk about sexuality like he's reading books too like one of his very favorite books it's there's a same-sex relationship as the love story Mm -hmm. um like, he actually picked that one up when my in-laws were coming over. He's like, I don't think Granny Annie needs to see this. <laughs> Which, he's a very perceptive kid. Yeah. Um, but I keep thinking, like, that's how you learn about the world, right? And so many of these books, like, using To All the Boys I Loved Before, I don't love those books. But that, I think, also, those books, they show a teenage relationship in which both parties are making mistakes Mm -hmm. and they're coming back and apologizing for those mistakes. And it's, uh, you know, a a jock who realizes that he can't just be a jerk to everybody, right? So my hope is that if he reads enough of these YA romances, it tempers some of the bro culture. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if it's going to work, but that's my hope. Do you find... um or do you make a point of 
reading what he's reading so that you can have conversations? Does he come to you on his own to ask questions or discuss Mm -hmm. something? Or do you just kind of let him read and process and move on? So a little bit of all the above. Um, He is better now, but so he's just about to turn 12. And between the years of like... 10 and a half to like 11 and a half like that year he was like not wanting to talk to me about anything Mm -hmm. um it's one of the reasons i was so excited about to all the boys i love before because that he was excited about Mm -hmm. um and i had to stop myself because i mean i'm literally paid to recommend books to people like that is literally my (laughs) job right now um and so my inclination is always to be like you should read this you should read this let's talk about it why did you like that book and he just needed me to not be in his face about it um which was very difficult for me (laughs) um so i tried really hard to just wait um and when i i the other thing i did was if he was talking about a book a lot i would read it um and then try to try to talk to him like i was a friend right like i read this book and i liked it or Mm -hmm. i didn't like it or i liked that character um sometimes he would take the bait and sometimes he would not and like anything else they're different kids so like reese he and i share books pretty regularly now um and um we trade recommendations and I don't read everything he's reading by any means, but I, I read a lot of it. Wes, Wes is reading, Wes still loves Calvin and Hobbes. Mm -hmm. Like he's just a different kid. Like he's not, he's not pushing the boundaries. Like his thing is he was reading illustrated classics. So (laughs) I'm less concerned about those. Um, well, there's some other things in there, but anyway, um, but he also won't take a recommendation. Like, Wes, you just have to sort of let him find things on his own. Reese would take a recommendation. Mm-hmm. And I could say, you know, if I thought he was reading something that wasn't exactly what I liked, I could give him another book that was, like, tempering that message, right? Yeah. Um, Wes is just his own person, and he will do his own thing, and there's no guiding him. So... You just kind of have to be along for the ride. Um, But he will let me read to him. Mm -hmm. So, like, we just read Ban This Book together, Mm -hmm. which is actually a really great middle grade book. It's about fourth graders who um, they books from their library start getting banned. Mm -hmm. So they start a banned books library out of their locker. Uh, Fun. (laughs) Yeah. So it's about, like... Um, these kids have to make choices and disobey people, mm-hmm. but they're doing it in um, in service of principles. Um, so that sparked some good conversation. It's also just really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the main character in the book is having trouble talking to her parents. She's the oldest kid, and she feels forgotten and always put upon to like be in service to her little sisters. And so that was actually really interesting. Even though Wes is not the oldest child, he's the youngest child. He is, um, he's both an open book and then I always know what's going on, mm-hmm. but he doesn't talk about it. He's not one to, sh- to talk the way Reese is. Mm-hmm. And so to read about a character who is 
basically constantly having two conversations, the one she's actually having yeah, and the one that's in her head, what mm-hmm. she wants to say with the kid who is kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Um, thank God for teachers, because that was a book recommendation from his teachers. And I think that they see him clearly. Yeah. Because uh, it was a really... It was a really good experience doing that with him. That's why I keep pushing the books on them, because we keep having those moments. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of moments where my kids are just reading Calvin and Hobbes over and over again, um, or books that I'm like, why? Um, (laughs) But I feel like, I mean, my, my next question to you is, how do you... How did you get to this point where you have boys? I see on your Instagram, they're regularly curled up in chairs reading things. And Quinn has always been an advanced reader, but I could never get her to come home and read. And it wasn't until I realized that it just has to be like, this kid loves like the National Geographic, like books of facts, like the weird but true. And so it was like, okay, if this is what you're into, like it might not be what I think you should be reading, but shit, just whatever, read it. Yeah, so that is absolutely true. Um, So I always... Some of it, I think, is just the kid. Yeah. Um, But I do... Kids are their own people. They are going to do the things that they want to do. But I do think that there are things that you can do to help kids be readers. I think always making it available. Like, the thing... Books are always an option in our house. Um, I have books all over the place. I always have had books all over the place for them. As I said, I forced Mike to read in front of them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it always has been something that not just they do, but that we do. They Mm -hmm. see me reading. um, I mean, I read. I've spent most of our break reading. Mm -hmm. Um, And Mike reads in front of them. And they always have that option. Um, we don't limit screens much now, um, but when they were really little, we did. Um, they didn't really get screens at all during the week, um, but that was books were always an option that they could do. It hasn't been like that, to be clear. <laughs> we are not a screen-free household by any means. <laughs> Wes got an iPod for his birthday, and he's basically been glued to that thing since then. Um, anyway, though... Um, Books always being an option, always being a thing. It's always been a part of our family life. Like, um, I've always read with the boys, not just at bedtime, but in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, I've read to them more other parts of the day than at bedtime. By bedtime, I'm like, oh, my God, you need to go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in the morning, I absolutely, I used to read to, I mean, it actually was a rule at one point that mama needed one cup of coffee before a book. I remember that. <laughs> yes. It did not always happen because Reese would climb up and I can't say no and they knew it. Yeah. So I think that that helps. But then as they get older, the biggest thing, in my opinion, is letting them read what it is that they want to read. Mm-hmm. And that is so difficult. And I'm not even talking about letting them read advanced stuff and like Pete PG-13 stuff when they're kids. I'm like literally whatever trash it is um, or things that don't look like books, like those fact books. Yeah. Like Wes, that's all he read Mm -hmm. for a long time. And honestly, you can hear my skepticism even when I talk about the boys. I say that Reese is my bigger reader. It's because Reese has read real books, quote unquote, real books longer than Reese or Wes because... 
I mean, Wes just, like I said, wants to read Calvin and Hobbes and facts books. Yeah. And he loves a National Geographic man. He yeah. <laughs> loves that stuff. And to me, that doesn't seem real. But it totally counts. Right. It absolutely counts. Dogman. Oh, gosh. We're deep in Dogman. Captain Underpants. Oh, my God. Diary of a Wimpy Kid. There's yes. Bad Guys, which is a new invent. It's like, but... Max and the Knights. Oh, I don't know what that is. It's an, one of those authors. It's another yeah. offshoot. Yeah. He's... Bennett's my kid that struggles with literacy. And we've been... He was in, like, special services up until this year. This is the first year. And, man, he will kill a Dogman book. And I'm like... Uh, okay, fine. Like and the fart jokes it. and oh all of gosh. it. I know, Love I it. know. Right. So it's it's hard because like I'm like, oh god. <laughs> um, but on the other hand, it absolutely counts. It's a book. Yeah, it's a book. Yeah, and they're reading and they're learning how to recognize the parts of a story, and they are figuring out how people tell and commu- tell stories and communicate and all of that not that the tests matter but all of that comes out on the school tests mm-hmm. like I don't care what book they're reading if they're reading that much yeah they're gonna do just fine yeah they really will because the like Reese we had this thing he's really a little frustrated in reading this year and he thinks he's not learning anything well the problem is he's learning the technical terms for the parts of a story Mm -hmm. and it feels to him like he's not learning anything because he's read so much at this point it's intuitive to him right and so even we've had long talks about how he needs the vocabulary like it's one thing to know those things intuitively but that he needs the vocabulary so that he can as he gets older and the teachers ask him to do things like dissect a story he knows what they're asking him for right yeah um and i think that any book can get you to that intuitive place it's just exposure mm-hmm. um and it's really hard um the other thing i would say is that punishment so often reading ends up feeling like a punishment to kids um because we do it like like you must eat your vegetables, right? Yeah. Um, you, you can't go out and play until you read and for a half an hour. Or you yeah. can't have screens until you read a book for a half an hour. And I have never done that because oh, reading isn't punishment mm-hmm. or it shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. And if it is, you're creating a negative situation, right? Like one of the things, I don't remember who said it, but there's some bookish meme that goes around that talks about reading your, to your kids and what you're doing is not promoting literacy. You're teaching them what it means to be loved. And cheesy as it sounds, that that is how I feel about books. Like to be able to, I mean, there's so much you can do with reading you know, teaching yourself and the educational aspect, blah, blah, blah. For me, they've always been a real comfort Mm -hmm. to maybe to a fault, but to know that you can escape into a book. And I wanted to give that to my kids to know that, I mean, it's a huge, important tool in your life to know that whatever you're doing, podcasting, we're talking about books, but like you want to learn about podcasting. And so you do some internet searches and you read a bunch of stuff and you figure it out. You can teach yourself literally anything, Mm -hmm. but then also like if you're feeling bad and you have a book that makes you feel better, Mm -hmm. like that is a huge coping mechanism. And I wanted to make sure that they had that in their life because it's gotten me through a lot. And I 
I don't know, it's just something I can do for them. It's really hard because the schools do not help you. Um, things like reading logs and on grade level reading. Yeah. Uh, I hate those things. Uh, my boys will tell you, like, one of the rules in our house is one of the rules in our house is that I will not sign things in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> And if you bring them to me in the morning, that is not my problem. <laughs> so, um, but but the other thing is, I don't I don't care. Like like they have heard this from me a thousand times. Like I don't care if you're supposed to read 15 minutes a night; it all washes out. Just give me your log when I when you get it, and I will sign it. Yeah. Like I've never made them keep track. Um, and maybe I mean I realize this is coming from a place of privilege because my kids have never struggled. Yeah. Um. But I really, truly believe that even for the kids who struggle, setting it up as like a punishment Mm -hmm. or a place where they're going, they're inevitably going to fail is not helpful to the actual goal, which is getting them to read. Yeah. I would say, too, that the other thing I realized, and this was hard for me, but um Some kids are not ready to read when our schools expect them to read. Mm -hmm. Some kids are absolutely ready at five. Some kids are not there yet. Yeah. And trying to make them read at this appropriate level. Yeah. Is not helpful. Yeah. It's not helpful. And it, it sets, again, it sets reading up as a punishment and literacy up as this giant hurdle to get yeah. past or a tool that's only good for school. Yeah. Um, instead of being like a major way to navigate the world. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I get so frustrated with the grade level, like the leveled reading that yeah. a lot of schools do. Yeah. We have it. I think it, I think a lot of it goes back to that third grade reading guarantee. <sighs> and I was talking to another mom this summer because her daughter was in the same um, support. She was receiving the same support services at school that Bennett was. And they had camp. They were invited to camp this summer and it was a week at the beginning and a week at the end. And I said to her, I said, you know, I wonder why, like, it didn't seem like that. It didn't seem like that much to like really make a difference. And she said, I think that they just, they push it so hard because of that third grade reading guarantee. And there's this, you know, I know, especially in our school, they are so focused on assessing kids and making sure that they get what they need in order to keep up their, you know, their numbers and their success rate and their test scores and all of that Mm -hmm. stuff. But I mean, for Bennett, it was just, it just took him longer. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was hard because Quinn was like above and beyond the whole time. No thanks to me. Like I didn't do anything. That was just who she was. And so to have this kid and I constantly felt stressed because he just wasn't, he, he wasn't hitting that level and like he backslid and did, you know. Well, and then like I said, the schools don't help you. Like I understand why they do it and I don't blame the teachers. The teachers, to be clear, the teachers are doing their absolute level best. Right. And some even more than their best in many cases like we've had amazing teachers I do not blame them but the system that is set up where like our school library even is leveled so if you are at 
a certain level, you can only get books at that level or under. And in some cases, not they won't allow you to go under mm-hmm. because you're supposed to be reading at this level. Mm-hmm. So all the kids know what level they're at and who's it not on level and who is and who's above and yeah. who can take whatever book they want. So it sets up this weird competition mm-hmm. and it sets up, it, it does nobody any good because it sets up kids like 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 Reese who has always been reading way above grade level part of the reason he started reading those books like Hunger Games and all of these books that are maybe not appropriate for his age um, was because that's the level I'm on yeah I shouldn't be reading these baby books yeah and he's missing out on like really wonderful books like I don't know that he's ever really read Beverly Cleary for instance Mm -hmm. like there are really wonderful books that he has just missed because they're beneath him yeah and and it also sets him up with this false sense of confidence like he can do whatever he wants (laughs) which is another let's not be an asshole here right (laughs) I do not need your help you know yeah boosting his ego (laughs) and and it's the same thing with my younger son he's the same way you know he feels a lot of pressure to always be perfect Mm -hmm. because of these leveled system he he does read at these levels and he all the kids know that he reads at these higher levels and he feels like he's expected to be perfect that doesn't help him no and it also doesn't help the kids below grade level to know that they're behind yeah i don't know it makes me really angry um I've had trouble with the way literacy is taught in our school since Reese came home in kindergarten with these books. He used to get so mad at me. They were the the books where they're trying to teach them sight words. Mm -hmm. So they're really just pictures. And they're... He's not reading the words. Yeah. He's looking at the pictures. Yeah. So I used to cover up the pictures <laughs> <laughs> and make him read the words. And he'd be like, Mama. He's five. He's like, Mama, I don't need to do this. I'm like, this is how we're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't, I don't know. I, I think to the bottom line, I think, is trying to make reading a pleasure. Yeah. And accessible. And that means a lot of times letting go of um, whether it's school expectation, which I know can be hard, but I think that there are ways to do it. Like if you are working, I'm sure you were stressed out, um, but trying to not be stressed when you're working with them, right? Yeah. I know that that is easier said than done, to be clear. like like, Sounding (laughs) out the word. Oh my Lord. It's painful. It is very painful. And and he'll, he'll get lazy. What is this word? Spell this. And I'm like, sound it out and he'll do it and do it and do it I'm like okay what else sounds like an E (laughs) it's just like trying to like hold back that (laughs) it's so hard to let them like suffer through and like but but the bottom line is he's not like he's gonna figure it out yeah like he will yeah he will figure it out and trying to let them get there um or stifling you know, my judgment about whatever book they're reading. Um, I don't know. I, I really believe that that's the best thing to do. Sometimes easier said than done though. 
and ultimately you might end up with like I have a friend whose daughter is like I just don't like to read and she's totally she's a teenager and she's Mm -hmm. totally doing it because she knows it's the thing that's going to (laughs) get under her parents skin Um, so I'm fully expecting that rebellion to happen at some point in my household I figure I'll probably be the younger one if I had to guess yeah I don't know maybe not maybe I feel like Sometimes that comes from school. Like, my kids are like, oh, I hate school. I'm so bored. And I'm like, is this you or is this just like so? Friends? So, bringing this around full circle, the bro culture. So, yeah. Reese, both of my kids, um, both of them are jocks. Both of them do very well in school and toxic masculinity, all of that, right? Reese loves these books he loves reading these YA romances and part of the reason he started talking to me about them again is because I am the only person he feels like he can talk to about them because he knows that his friends are not going to be interested in these books Mm -hmm. he's he for a while was like a little reading evangelist and was trying to get his friends to read books and he just he gave up because he says his friends think that reading is dumb. Yeah. And that's so sad to me. It's hard. That is so sad to me. That he has to feel like he has <clears throat> to hide that. I mean, I get it. I understand. Like, you don't want to be, you don't want to stick out as the weird kid. You don't want to be different. You don't want to do different stuff. Like, and that, that's hard, I think, as a parent, because I'm like, it doesn't matter. Right. It's not going to matter in 10 years. Who cares? Right. <laughs> Right. But also, like, I remember that. Right. And so, like, I don't know. That's when we go to parent teacher conferences, that's always the thing that I ask the teachers is, like, are my kids nice? Yes. Like, are they, like, how are they in the classroom? Are they, Mm -hmm. and also, are they engaged? Because, again, stereotyping, but I had a lot of boys who are good friends of mine growing up. They were really, really smart guys mm-hmm. and it was not cool to be smart yeah right mm-hmm. and they checked out we got in high school and they checked out and they're all fine adults now but I saw them be less than what they were mm-hmm. and it made me sad then and the thought of my boys disengaging because it's not cool <laughs> It, it makes me sad. It also makes me furious to yeah. think about. Um, and so a lot of a lot of the nagging I do is like, I'm sure they see it as nagging, is, is like trying to make them understand like that they can be all these things. I mean, I think it helps that Mike is not, you know, like I said, Mike does read and he is athletic and he... He does do things, but I do I do feel a pressure to try to, to to expose my kids to lots of different ways of being. So, like one of the rules we have um, is that, or one of the expectations is that when they are in middle school, they play an instrument. Mm-hmm. And um, Reese is on board. He's been playing piano for two years. He just started cello. He's really happy with it. Wes is not. I. He won't have next year. Next year, he'll have to pick an instrument. He's not thrilled about it. And we were fighting about this the other night. He was like, why do I have to do this? And I was like, listen, you have to try. It's good for your brain. You'll meet new people. You have to try. And he's like, well, what if it's just not my thing? I said, well, 
that's fine. Then in high school, you can quit, but you will still be doing something creative. Like you can take an art class, you can join choir, you can build sets for drama. Like you still are going to find some sort of creative outlet. Yeah. He's like, well, athletics are my thing. I'm like, you can have more than one thing. (laughs) So that was the conversation at dinner. And then that night we went to a piano recital for Reese and it was like a... It was much longer than what we were expecting. He had basketball practice after, and it was clear, like, basketball practice was not going to happen. It was a two-hour recital, and Wes, who had been told he could go to his brother's practice because his coach likes him, was really, like, (gasps) every five minutes. And I was like, we are missing... Yeah, we are missing practice for a game. This is a game for music. We are missing practice for a game. This is what we do. It's okay. Shh. And he'd be like, (laughs) so this goes on the whole two hours. And but he was overall pretty well, like he got it, like Mm -hmm. the practice, missing practice for a game analogy, like he not happy, but he got it. (laughs) And then after the recital, we're standing in the hallway waiting for Reese to like come join us. And my husband looks at me and is like, that was so long. And I looked at him and I was like, that is enough. Shut it. This is important. This is an important part of our life. And he, I, he did not deserve the reaction that I gave him, <laughs> but, but it was important for me that he be supportive right. of this thing that is not sports, right? Yeah. Like sports is something that Mike does with them and that's wonderful, but there are other things in our life mm-hmm. that are just as important that we are going to be supportive of. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm a delight. <laughs> that's the takeaway here. <laughs> It sounds like you're doing something right. I don't think it's all for not. I have these moments where I think like, oh God, they're going to like totally, you know, rebel against everything that I'm trying, you know, trying to impart on them or do. And then I'll hear something. They'll do something. They'll make a certain choice or they'll come home and tell me about something that happened and how they reacted. And I'm like, okay, we're okay. We're, we're okay. Well, they're paying attention to your actions is yeah. the thing, right? It's like those moments you have of like, oh, crap, they are listening, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we had one when Wes was really little where Mike said, God, and then stopped himself. And Wes totally finished it and was like, damn it, <laughs> with the most perfect inflection. He was like three, maybe. Um, and I have those moments with good things too where like they clearly are like looking out for each other um or they've found a friend that they can talk to Mm -hmm. about things or whatever um it's the scary part is they are paying attention right yeah so you there are times where i'm like oh my god they're paying attention and it's i mean that's why i holler at mike about things like reading or whatever because I mean, it's one thing for me to yap at them. It's another thing for them to see this happening in the world. Yeah. Um, That's why I've been so grateful. Uh, Reese's new baseball coach is very intense. Um, But he's also... He, I mean, he's told the boys, like, you will have... I expect this level of grades. Mm Mm-hmm. And if you do not have those grades, you will not play. Wow, that's nice. Yeah. So, like, having, like, I think our values are aligned. Yeah. Um, and having someone else in their life besides me, mm-hmm. um, whether it's teachers or coaches, um, 
like I, I did not grow up doing athletics or anything, but I had lots of aunts and uncles. And when I was a teenager and decided that my parents were terrible, I had these other adults in my life that I could go and be with. And my parents knew them and trusted them and like, right. They, they helped me get through that. Yeah. And we don't have family right here in Cincinnati, but I feel like through sports and through other, you know, other friendships, my volunteer work um, in our community, <clears throat> a lot of other places, we're building this like network of people um, that, you know, like through my volunteer work, we know a lot of people in our neighborhood. And Reese has taken to riding his bike around, and I've told the boys like, Mr. and Mrs. Matthews, know who you are. <laughs> And I told them, I was like, yeah, if you ever see my boys, oh, yeah, if they fall off their bike or something, I'll take care of it. I was like, no, no. What I mean is, if they're being punks, please let me know. (laughs) And, like, trying to build out that network of people that you trust and that that you know your values align with yours so that when inevitably they don't want to listen to me anymore Mm -hmm. or they don't want to listen to Mike or whatever, um, they have someone else Mm -hmm. that can be with them that's the hope anyway thank you so much for listening to today's episode thank you to hillary for taking time out of your busy schedule to come and share your story with us if you have a story that you'd like to share or you just want to talk about your experiences in motherhood you can email me a gordon g-o-r-d-o-n one six at mac.com if you're on instagram you can find us on instagram at your mom has a podcast you can shoot me a dm there to tell me what it is that you'd like to talk about or just follow along to see the pictures and quotes that all of our guests have shared with us In the meantime, if you have not yet subscribed to the podcast, what are you doing? Subscribe so that you don't miss any episodes. And as always, because I have to ask, if you have not yet, please leave a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. I'm basically nobody in this podcast game. Your your reviews, your ratings, help people to know that we're even there. And I need a lot of them, like 700 of them. So tell your friends, share this podcast if you like it, post it on your social media, tell a mom, tell your mom, um, and let's keep doing this together. So thank you guys. Have a great week. We'll be back with another episode next week.